Hello, Millennium Alliance listeners. This is Connor Tui. Happy to be back for another episode of the Millennium Live podcast series. We have a great partner with us today, global leader in offensive security. To talk all about NetSpy, our great partner on this episode, we have Vinay Anand. He is the chief product officer over there. Vinay, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here and pick your brain about cybersecurity. Hey, Connor, great to be here. Thanks for including us in this podcast. I want to jump right into the uh, conversation with you. This term of offensive security, it really has evolved into so much more than simply just pen testing, and especially the way cybersecurity has gone from a reactive to a proactive approach. What does all this really entail, and what are you seeing as the chief product officer at NetSpy? Great question. Pen testing was a very key component of validating networks, validating web apps, etc. Right, different parts of your ITS, all the way up and down the stack, uh, internal, external, team, mobile, you name it. Any part of cute infrastructure requires someone to come in and test, ensure that they are not open to compromise. So that's how pen testing started. Over time, came a compliance requirement for some verticals. It became a regular requirement for some customer, and in most cases, it became an institutional part of their entire rollout process. When they build apps, when they build networks, when they build capabilities, they do their own internal testing, of course, and they establish their own checks and balances from a security perspective. You can call them defensive security, deep packet inspection, firewalls, web app firewalls, right? All kinds of filters and other things. But they also depend on other vendors coming in from outside and testing it, pressure testing it and saying, are your defenses really solid? Are you secure? So pen testing became a very well-articulated way of doing this. In short, you can think of this as the friendly hackers, because that's what we do. We try to hack into assets that our customers want us to test, and we make sure that we look at it in every manner that a hacker would look at it. Now, over time, two, three things happened. The attack, the compute surfaces expanded rapidly. They went from on-prem to cloud, microservices, APIs, API gateways, et cetera. And increasingly, in the last few years, more complicated paradigm shifts are happening in technology. The most recent one is LLMs and AI. Before that, it was blockchain. Every two, three years, something new comes up. What this does is it creates new attack surfaces, things that customers haven't understood completely, how to protect and how to, how to even configure and, and develop in the right manner. And it allows the bad guys new things to hack into and take over. So this is where the gap between offensive and defensive becomes bigger and bigger. In an ideal case, there is no gap between offensive and defensive. A new technology is deployed, a network is configured, an app is configured, defensive um, uh, security measures are applied, offensive security comes in from outside, tests it, and both of them are 100% aligned. There's no, no gap. That's perfect situation. As new technologies come up, new surfaces open up, they turn into new attack surfaces. And the more complex these new attack surfaces are, the gap between offensive and defensive becomes bigger and bigger. And this is where pen testing and all related things become more critical. So what started as pen testing over time evolved into a more intelligent, more automated mechanism. And the industry started calling it pen testing as a service, PTAS. So you had a platform that drove this, you had a continuous mechanism, you brought in some threat intel, you brought in some intelligence. So instead of individual pen tests, now you have a, a sequence of things happening. You could automate it, you can run it 20 by, 24 by 7 if needed, you could have scanners, etc. 
so became much more sophisticated now in the last year or so last couple of years maybe this is evolving into something bigger where risk prioritization and exposure management are the next phase of offensive security and this is where you take a more global view of your customers assets bring in context technical context connectivity who is associated with whom where the traffic is flowing from what are the attack paths and also you bring in business context and you apply all this and you start giving customers a more nuanced and curated outcome which says here's the risk associated with every vulnerability we see in your system so not only do we detect vulnerabilities not only do we probe from outside and find gaps in your security but of all the things we see we are going to give you a risk score and an exposure management capability we tell you what is the impact of this to your organization to your assets to your business so this is the next stage of open security where we and many of our colleagues in the industry are working towards a lot of innovation a lot of heavy lifting to get there but this is the current state of offensive security and especially with the way things continue to move in terms of how attacks are getting more sophisticated, as you mentioned, and why this is so important. But why should offensive security be a part of organizations' security planning and be top of mind in terms of the approach to this? And how is offensive security helping combat against a more sophisticated, evolving threat landscape that you were, you were talking about? So let's address the why first. You want enterprise IT to adopt the latest technologies. There's a lot of value in pushing ahead and adopting the new new paradigms, new technologies, new ways of doing things. It it does two things, right? It 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 optimizes their investment and delivers better outcomes. So on both sides, the cost side, where consistently you're saving on cost and you're optimizing outcomes and your investments, and you're delivering better outcomes for your organization. So IT needs to keep riding the innovation wave whether it's adopting the latest in cloud technologies, LLMs, um, every year, every two years, something new comes out. So they need to keep doing that. In order for them to do that, they need to feel secure. Otherwise, it becomes a big problem for the enterprise because then you're exposed to attacks and you're exposed to all kinds of ransomware, et cetera, et cetera. So to feel secure while you're going really fast into new things, you need some confidence that you have air cover from a security perspective. So you invest in your own security. So they build new checks and balances internally. But when these new technologies come out, it takes a long time for it to stabilize and for people to understand the impact of using that, the corner cases, the complexities of the stack, the open source components used in it, the way it's configured, um, the way you interact with other technologies, everything opens you up for potential attacks. And it's hard to figure it out on day one. So on the one hand, engineers are going out, innovating, adopting the latest technologies. I mean, you see open source being used extensively in software now. There's so many blind spots there. So every aspect of the compute stack, right? Software development, network technologies, cloud technologies. There's so much new things happening and everything opens up potential risks. Now to let enterprises continue driving at a fast pace so that they get the outcomes they want and they optimize their investments, you need to protect them, give them the air cover for protection. And this is where offensive technology, uh, offensive security comes in. This is why it becomes so important for IT to use offensive security as an insurance, as a, as a way to fill the gap where they don't have good defensive technologies in place. So this comes in and says, look, from day one, we can test it from outside. We can validate it for you while you figure out how to roll out proper defenses to build out new features. And in the interim, there's a big gap there. 
this is where pen testing and other parts of security have a much more important role to play than ever before. So they are more central to an IT strategy than ever before as they adopt new technologies. Often security becomes more of a partner along with them as against an afterthought. That's the big important shift in mindset that's happening that offense security is increasingly becoming a partner in enabling IT to adopt new technologies at a faster pace. So when it comes to you know prioritizing the most important attack services and, and vulnerabilities, offensive security seems to be the way to go. And you know, as opposed to a lot of organizations are still using conventional security, patching software and fixing those vulnerabilities to just to keep up to date. From what you're seeing out there, have organizations become too reactive when it comes to cybersecurity planning? Historically, yes, they were reactive, but I think they're just starting to turn that page here and becoming a little bit better in anticipating what might happen. Still a long way to go. As I said, the way this happens is you first adopt a technology, then you figure out what's, what to do to secure it. So in a sense, by definition, security is a little reactive because it comes after they, they make their decision to adopt something or to do something. But because of how critical security is and the learnings over the last several years, the reactive nature of it is starting to balance out. And the more forward-leaning companies, more forward-leaning customers are starting to be a little more proactive. So the trend is very promising. It's still not universal, of course, but the trend is promising. Uh, there's still a large number of customers that play the reactive game um, just because they either don't have the resources or the understanding of what to do. Security is hard. It's complex. And not everyone is able to hire the best security professionals. Uh, those professionals are hard to find. And as, a, as you know, depending on whose survey you've read, there are three to five to probably 10 million, you know, sh shortage of three to five to 10 million security professionals in the industry today. So this is a hard um, profession to find people and retain them. So that creates the need for enterprises to be much smarter in how they secure their networks and their assets. And it forces them to be reactive sometimes. I mean, you, you said it best. Uh, security is hard, and we could have a whole panel discussion on the Millennium Alliance Assembly about a talent shortage in the talent pool in cybersecurity. You know, our CISO members are listening to this. I want to just ask you a couple of general questions, especially, you know, with your experience in your role, Renee. You know, you work closely with CISOs. What are some of the top security concerns that are keeping CISOs up at night? If you were to name some of the top three or so concerns and topics that are probably on top of mind and you know security best practices that can help alleviate these concerns yeah so we talk to CISOs and practitioners all the time you're right and it's very interesting we see we see them falling in two sides of the spectrum there is one set of customers that struggle to even get a handle on understanding and having visibility of all their assets, which I consider the basic requirement for security. First of all, you need to know what you have before you know how to secure it. And they have blind spots in even understanding all the assets they have and quantifying it as to who owns them or you know what they do, et cetera. So that's the starting you know, phase one, know what you have. And then applying the right controls, compensatory controls across all of these assets, depending on use cases and depending on business needs is the second thing. So then you start looking at prioritization, you start looking at vulnerabilities, and then which vulnerabilities are really important to fix and which are okay to have, not necessarily critical to fix. So then it becomes more nuanced as you go down this path and say, okay, I know my assets, I know my vulnerabilities, I'm applying business context to it and network context. Now I know which ones are more important to fix and which ones are less important to fix. 
And for the ones that I have to fix, do I have a fix or do I depend on something else? So there's a sequence of decision-making here. And it's very clear as we talk to our customers, the more sophisticated ones with more funding and more understanding of security are much further along this path. But many of our customers who have not invested heavily or don't have the right tools struggle even in phase one where they say, okay, do I even know what I have so that I can secure it? It goes across the spectrum, but what I hear most from customers is over and beyond all of this is they want to adopt new technologies. They want to run fast because they want to help their businesses grow. The, the job of IT is to enable businesses, right? Enable continuity, enable growth. And when new things come out, they're so scared or afraid to adopt them because of the concern about security and vulnerabilities. They are kind of in the middle here, whether to adopt it and run fast or whether to go slow and secure it first. And this is where I think offensive security and other measures come in. We will assist them in going fast and, and not slowing down their own innovation because there are checks and balances we can bring to the table. Well said. So I don't think it would be appropriate if we didn't have a conversation about AI. I feel like it's a big topic and specifically generative AI has, has become a popular topic of interest. I just had a, another podcast discussion about it with the, with the data company. And we're really seeing uh, this emerging technology skyrocket within enterprises. Not And not just everybody's talking about it, but they're implementing it. Here's where you come in, Vinay. What type of security risks does generative AI bring into organizations? And really, how can CISOs get ahead of those risks? Yeah, so it really depends on how they use it, right? They could adopt LLMs and generative AI. They could use them in a secure manner. But early days, most customers probably still figuring out the, the stack they want to use, the data they want to bring into their, their systems, the kind of prompts they want to de develop and de apply. So as you take this layer by layer, there are security implications on the side, data side, the security implications with prompts. Go back many years, think of SQL injection attacks that used to happen in the olden world, where you, know, you, could, you could configure SQL queries and extract data that the enterprise did not want to give. Prompt engineering or, or the security issues related with prompts is very similar. Only thing is it's going through a different interface now called prompts, but you could potentially have a set of prompts that will reveal more data than you ever wanted to reveal. PII information, other proprietary information could come through. So it's very important, even at that level, what data you store, how you train your models, the kinds of prompts you enable, what kind of information do you give out to the querying entity, Every one of these has risks associated with it. If you take a very defensive approach, you could adopt all of this, use it with minimal security risk. But the problem is it's so new, most of our customers don't understand what the defensive measures are. So they go willy-nilly all in, and then it exposes them to risks at every layer of the stack. And if they're using an open source stack instead of using a SaaS delivery model from you know, one of the bigger vendors, then there are probably issues even in the stack itself because it's open source technology that you're downloading and using. Becoming a little more sophisticated here, you have issues with biases, how your models function. Is there an implicit bias built into the model? And if that is the case, then all the outcomes, all the results of your generative AI would be biased. So that becomes a little more complicated to figure out. But if that is the case, then all your outcomes, all your results are biased. That could be a problem. So there are security implications at every layer of the stack, every aspect of usage, but if done well and if adopted in a defensive manner, you can mitigate many of those. That's kind of interesting. I, I want to kind of build on that too. And 
And talk about like, is AI really overall changing the security playbook? I know you alluded to this and, and kind of alluding to what we we're and bringing back to what we were talking about earlier is how can security teams use this technology to their advantage from both a defensive and offensive security perspective? This can be a boon to both security professionals as well as the bad guys. I'm sure you've seen um, there are a bunch of websites that have popped up that allow you to now create malware and phishing scams much more easily because of generative AI. For lesser money and with more sophistication, you get a ready-made phishing script and tools and everything available now. So on the flip side, the bad guy's job is becoming easier mm. and more effective. Yeah. But from a security point of view, you could use LLMs and you could use generative AI to deliver more effective security. So first and foremost, ability to consume large amounts of data, structured and unstructured, and get better outcomes. The biggest challenge in the security business over the years has been the overwhelming amount of telemetry that we generate, whether it's alerts, whether it's logs, et cetera. And the, the actual insights that you want are buried in these alerts and logs, and it's hard to mine them and extract them and show them to customers. Almost every breach we have seen in the industry over the last five, 10 years, right? You can find that somehow some product had flagged a vulnerability or an exposure, but it was hidden in a log somewhere or in an alert, which no one looked at. So with generative AI, you can actually extract valuable information, actionable information much more easily and more effectively, parsing huge, huge database and huge data stores of alerts and logs and information and telemetry. So just from that point of view itself, security is going to be a big benefactor from all of this technology. And then getting into other product related things, better customer support, better technical documentation, all of these things will help the users of our tech, uh, security features and security products be a lot more effective in how they use our products. So outcomes both from a um, security outcome as well as usage point of view, adopting LLMs can be a big, big step forward for security. Keeping all this in mind, I do want to bring up NetSpy. I think it's uh, some awesome work that's being done over there and, and you and you get to see it every day. And um, just a, a great company that is, uh, especially with all your tech-enabled services, is there something we can expect from NetSpy during perhaps the second half this year or, or early next year and exciting company news and, and product updates? I want to give you the opportunity to um, talk a little bit about NetSpy because it's a really, really cool partner. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So a few things. Uh, first of all, at um, uh, the recent Black Hat, a couple of weeks back, we announced an AI pen testing service. Uh, one of the first in the industry to launch a pen testing service for adoption of LLMs and generative AI. So as I described earlier, we check every layer of the stack. We look at data, at prompts, everything. Um, and we have a pen testing service that assists our customers and makes it easy for them to start adopting this without being blind. We provide the eyes and ears as they start adopting. And we will scale the service over time. As we work with customers, we learn about their usage. We'll keep adding capabilities to the service. So first and foremost, we are there to partner with our customers and help them along this journey. Second, we are going to, we are working actively to include some of this technology ourselves within our PTAS platform and our ASM platform. So sometime soon, you'll start seeing more um, generative AI LLM enabled outcomes within our platforms as well. Now, outside of the AI component, there's a lot of work we are doing both around pen testing, um, new services and new capabilities, and also on the platform side where we are building new platforms and new, new products 
in the next six months, you'll see a much more coordinated outcome from us where we bring multiples of our products and platforms together to give our customers the combined benefit of using more of our products and the telemetry we collect and the uh, findings we collect both from our own pen testing and from our partners. So you'll start seeing more and more of this come out in the next six months. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited for our members and uh, our C-suite cybersecurity audience to learn more about NetSpy and all the, the great work you're doing. So, you know, this has been a great conversation, uh, Vinay. Last, I just want to ask you one more question. And, uh, you know, we'd like to end Millennium Live with either a, a focus on the future or a piece of wisdom. So what's your top piece of advice for CISOs as they're navigating today's truly complex threat landscape? and you know, face immense pressure within their organization from attackers alike and help them properly secure their organization so that even though those things that you mentioned that are keeping them up at night, they can uh, sleep well after listening to this episode. Yeah, look, I would say the industry is moving forward very fast. New technologies keep coming up. The one thing I would tell the CISOs and our customers is go ahead with adopting new technologies. Focus on growing your business. Don't let security fear slow you down. And wherever you need help, we are here to provide help from an offensive security point of view. The rest of the security industry is very rapidly progressing. There's a lot of new tech coming out. Security issues should not stop an enterprise from doing the right thing for their business because then that, that would defeat the entire uh, intent here. So keep innovating, keep adopting new technologies. And from a security perspective, focus on the basics. First and foremost, understand what you have in your IT estate. Understand all the assets you have. Get a good map of your assets. Get good visibility. Understand the vulnerabilities associated with those assets. Start with that. Focus on the basics. And a lot of your problems get sorted out. A lot of times that basic hygiene is missing for various reasons. It's headcount reasons, it's the speed with which you're innovating, et cetera. Focus on hygiene, focus on the basics. And on our part, we are investing very aggressively in building out offensive security capabilities, as I said, around risk, around exposure management, around context and prioritization. So we are here to partner with you every step of the way. Reach out to us, work with us, but don't let security be a blocker of innovation. That's awesome. And that's a great way to to end this conversation. Uh, Vinay, thank you so much for taking the time to join Millennium Live and, and talk offensive security and cybersecurity planning, top concerns and trends, and all the great work that's going on at NetSpy. Thanks to the listeners, our C-suite uh, cybersecurity members. Uh, we do, if anybody's interested in the Transformational CISO Assembly, we have one in the fall, which is October 10th and 11th down at the Biltmore, Miami. Once again, I want to thank Vinay for joining us and our partner at NetSpy. Thanks again, uh, Vinay. Thanks, Connor. It was a great chat. Thank you very much.